Good morning. Welcome to Progressive Parenting Radio. This is a very special show for me, you guys, and I'm really happy that you're joining me live today. You know, being a parent is the hardest job that you will ever have, and Progressive Parenting Radio understands that. Uh, we want you to know that you are not alone. Um, I am Gina Kirby, and I am your humble host, although I am not a parenting expert. I am a concerned parent of three kids, three kids, oh my gosh, four kids, <laughs> that's the kind of day I'm having as a parent, four kids, uh, I am a concerned parent of these four children, the other day somebody said, how many kids do you have, I said, I, I got a lot of them, I got a mess of them, and they said, how many, I said, well, I think the, uh, I think the term is mess if you have four kids, I don't know what, what the term is if you have five, but I have a mess of kids. Uh, and uh, every week I'm going to be coming back at you. I've been gone for a long time. I went on a hiatus. Uh, I think the last episode we did was on divorce. And uh, that particular one took two years. And now I am back with y'all. And uh, with a vengeance, as it were, because I'm really excited about this upcoming year and all the new things we're going to be doing. And so I'm going to be coming to you weekly with our program once again. And uh, as a parent of a mess of children, I understand the difficulties involved with parenthood, so I'm going to be bringing you um, weekly doctors, nurses, family workers, authors, and experts from different uh, fields to answer your parenting questions. Uh, Because this is a progressive talk show, we will be broaching topics and airing opinions that you as a parent might not otherwise hear about through the mainstream media. Uh, The mission of our program is to inform, not to breach, to share, not advise, and to connect, not alienate. And I've been saying that for 13 years now. I still mean it. And I'm uh, really excited to be going into, like, going past a decade now, three years into it, and still going. Uh, the show is going to come on, like I said, uh, weekly. And uh, you can listen to past shows, if maybe this is your first time, just by uh, on all the links. There's over 160 shows. So if you're a parent listening for the first time, if you are, um, maybe you're a doula or a midwife or just uh, a friend of a parent who is uh, geeking out on podcasts left and right, let them know about our program. Uh, everything is free. Uh, our show is run by listener donations. Uh, that is what fuels us. And we have been uh, fueled by all of our listeners over the past uh, 13 years. And it means a lot to me because, uh, you know, there's people out there who Maybe you listen to the the program and you got something out of it and you're like, wow, that was awesome. I can't believe I didn't pay anything for it. And then you, you know, send us a buck or two. And it it means a lot to me as uh, somebody who's been doing it for a long time. In fact, I I didn't even really count. um, I guess it's going to be closer to 14 years if you count when we very, when we first started out on AM. We did two years on an AM station in Fresno, California. And then we did two years on Pacifica Radio in Fresno. Uh, that was an exciting time in my life to be coming on right after, uh, oh, what was it? There was a, a really famous uh, Air America. Uh, we came on right after Air America, and that was that was a really good time for us. It was a two-hour program back then. And uh, just to be able to keep going, even though we're not in Fresno, to be able to do our program on the air uh, this way, not even on the air, through the interwebs, and know that people are listening to us from all over the world. I still get, or I got really excited back when we were doing it, and uh, um, producers stick his head out the window and, and wave at me and go, 
uh, we have a phone call from Singapore. And I would get super excited. So I'm excited about doing that again and, and for being able to uh, make my world smaller by doing the podcast and for uh, excited to bring more really good information to parents everywhere and the people who love them. And as uh, somebody who I served on the board of directors for six years for Attachment Parenting International, all of these topics are near and dear to my heart. I want to share uh, these ideas about gentle parenting and uh, just learning more about what your options are. Because if you don't know what your options are, you don't have any and uh, I want to make sure you have options. That means a lot to me. Parents deserve to know, uh, you know, what it is that's available to them in the world as parents. And, it, you know, if you don't know, then it's just it can be a really isolating experience. It's already scary enough to be a parent. And then when you don't have any resources or maybe friends or neighbors that can help you, um, the whole point of this program is to be there for you. So today I'm going to be talking to another parent. And I'm really excited about this particular parent that I'm talking to, because if you are friends with me or have been friends with me in the past, then you know that my, um, seek, I have two secret dreams. One is to, uh, be a stand-up comedian. I know you have to, you have to be funny. Don't you have to be funny to be a comedian? I just saw the Joker the other day. I remember his mom said that to him and I was like, Oh, ouch. I'm not saying what he did was okay, but I understand. (laughs) Um, wanting to be a comedian uh, for a long, long time. And then my other secret dream, which was really not a secret. It was a, uh, something that terrified my parents. I wanted to be uh, Bobby Kennedy. I, I wanted to be JFK. And mind you, like back in the day, I didn't really have any female role models, but I knew that I wanted to make a difference in the world. And my parents, all they knew was that people who make a difference are in, their lives are in danger. And so they never wanted me to do it. I wanted to be like Cesar Chavez. I wanted to like be like Gandhi. I wanted to make a difference in the world. And they were like, you are not going to be in politics. And they went out of their way to make sure that I wasn't in politics. And, uh, and that was a bummer. And I still, you know, have this dream of going into politics and making a difference that way, but I'm not doing it anytime soon. So here I am on Instagram one day, I'm scrolling through Instagram to see, um, this Instagram Ruby for Texas. I don't know how it popped up in my, in my particular feed. Uh, but here's this mom. It was the first thing that caught my eye. Proud mom of two business owner, immigrant rights attorney, author, and advocate running to represent my neighbors in the Texas legislature. I was like, what? Where does this woman live? I got excited because I'm in Austin, Texas. She's in Houston, Texas. And then I started looking her up and kind of lost my mind this morning. Uh, Ruby Powers, and you guys, I want you all, if you're in front of your your computers, Google this woman. My goodness. I looked at Ruby Powers, and the very first thing that came up for me was an article in um, Mother Jones Magazine, which, by the way, I used to have a subscription to. I was a hardcore um, – you guys remember Alex from – was it Family Ties? I wanted to be Alex. And, by the way, I was a registered Republican at one point in my life. That's right. Um, and, and we welcome Republicans and liberals to our program because you can be either or or somewhere in between or whatever and be a parent. So we are here for you. But uh, I was – super uh, into politics my entire life. And I saw this article in Mother Jones and 
freaked out and cried at a coffee shop while I was uh, researching her. And I wanted to share some stuff with you before she calls in. I don't see her on here yet. Oh, and speaking of calling in, if you are a um, longtime listener, first-time caller, today would be the first-time caller day for you. It would be great. Our guest call-in number is 515-605-9702. That number, again, is 515-605-9702. If you have any questions or you want to call in and just say hi or cheer Ruby on or maybe cheer me on since this is my first time back in a very long time. If you are on Instagram, you can check out hashtag Gina Kirby starts over, but I digress back to our amazing guest today. So um, you can find out uh, that article, by the way, is that um, just Google mother Jones and um, Ruby powers. So I'm just going to read a little bit to you of of the article in case you don't have time, but I really want you to know who we're going to be talking to today. Uh, Ruby powers, most recent journey to the Port Isabel Detention Center in Los Fresnos, Texas, began with an early morning flight from Houston that brought her to South Texas just after 9 a.m. After the circuitous drive around Gulf Coast roads that had recently been flooded by heavy rain, she reached the gate of the detention facility about three hours later, popped the trunk for security, and headed in. Over the next seven and a half hours, in a series of rapid-fire and emotionally-wrenching meetings, Powers met with 11 different parents who had been separated from their children. Only one of them had already individually spoken with an attorney. The Department of Homeland Security was named Port Isabel, the primary family reunification and removal center for adults in its custody. In practice, that means Port Isabel houses hundreds of parents whose children were taken by the Trump administration. After roughly three weeks apart, their separation may be ending now that a federal judge has ordered DHS to reunite separated families within 30 days and within 14 days for children who are younger than five. But that doesn't mean they will be released from detention anytime soon. Only that the Trump administration has decided to replace forced separation with indefinite family detention as part of an ongoing court battle over a 2016 court decision that requires children to be released from family detention within about 20 days. Regardless of when or even if they're reunited, the parents with whom Powers will meet their children and thousands of others will still need to convince immigration officials that they have a right to asylum or other, other legal protections that will allow them to remain in the United States. For the last month, a small army of pro bono lawyers has been traveling in and out of Port Isabel to help them build their cases. A group of about 10 lawyers has been there a week before Powers arrived, and their reinforcements were arriving later that night. But last, Tuesday's, last Tuesday, Powers was alone. I'm going to share some more with you. I want to check back and make sure that our guest isn't on the line. Okay, just double-checking. And that number again for our guest to call in and for our listeners is 515-605-9702. I want to share some more from this. Jody Goodwin, a local immigration lawyer who is helping organize the effort, says lawyers have met with about 210 of the approximately 350 separated parents at Port Isabel. The numbers are unclear, Goodwin adds, because ICE won't tell us, and they're certainly not giving us a list. The South Texas Pro Bono Asylum Representation Project, the organization Goodwin is working with, receives many of its referrals through word of mouth as separated parents tell lawyers about additional parents in their dorms who need help. They were still giving us names yesterday, Goodwin said on Sunday. The seven men and four women with whom Powers met were from the Northern Triangle countries of El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras, and had been separated from their children for about two weeks. 
Powers believes they were all prosecuted under the Justice Department's Zero Tolerance Initiative. Some still had not had any contact with their kids, while others had managed one or two calls ranging from about two to ten minutes. The calls were sometimes so brief that parents didn't find out where their children were located. Add to these concerns their struggles to find some way to manage their own situations. One woman fled the United States after a judge held her responsible for the domestic abuse inflicted by her husband. In another case, a man's in-laws blamed him for not having been able to afford his late wife's medical treatment and threatened his life when his wife died a few months after giving birth. Powers is exactly the kind of lawyer a migrant might hope to work with. Her mother grew up in a missionary family in Saltillo, the capital of the border state of Coahuila, and always told Powers that she learned English by watching Captain Kangaroo. But Powers had to learn Spanish on her own because her mom didn't feel comfortable speaking Spanish during Powers' childhood in rural Missouri. Now married to a Turkish immigrant, Powers is a, has about a decade of experience with asylum claims and runs a Houston immigration law firm that employs four other attorneys. So we've established that she's a badass, and we actually have something in common because my parents didn't speak Spanish at home. Oh, here she is. Oh, sorry to make her wait. Hi, Ruby. Are Hi, you there? How are you doing? Yes. I'm doing good. I was just reading an article about you. I don't know if you could hear me talking. I could. Uh, I one... could. I, I was reliving that my experiences in the border, <laughs> yeah. listening to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, um, that was a great article. It really gave me some insight about who you were. I mean, I kind of had an idea, and then I started uh, doing some research on you. I mean, I knew I already liked you, but I <laughs> um, was just really blown away by that. And uh, the, the first, I had to read it a couple times so I wouldn't cry on the air while I was reading it. Um, we, and we have something in common too. So, uh, my, my parents didn't uh, speak Spanish. I'm second and a half generation and my parents grew up not, they understood Spanish. They were speaking Spanish when they were younger, but when they went into schools, um, cause they were migrant farm workers, but when they went into school, anytime they were speaking Spanish with friends, they would get in trouble. And this is back when, you know, you could hit kids in school. And so they would get hit Mm. anytime they were speaking Spanish. And uh, aside from that, like my, their parents didn't speak Spanish at home because they wanted their kids to be American. And so I too mm-hmm. had to learn Spanish outside of the home, even though I'm Mexican. So it's just really interesting uh, that we had that in common. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it took a lot of work because I'm, I'm not like, I would call like native Spanish um, from taking AP and dual credit classes in Spanish and then studying in Mexico and Spain and, you know, it's just, it's, and then just, you know, working in every day, I do it, speak Spanish for consultations. So uh, sometimes there's subsets of the vocabulary that I don't know. <laughs> oh, I yeah. Oh, my, are or... you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I work with the, I work in the birth world and there's so many words I don't know in Spanish. <laughs> I had to learn how to say contraction and like all these words, oh, yeah. words they're not conversational words. Like, um, right, say, oh, exactly. you have to tell me, and we'll talk later after the show. Where did you study in Spain? I lived in Barcelona. Uh, oh, wow. So, I, I studied yeah. in Pamplona, so we'll have to talk about that later. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. This is just for the running of the bulls. <laughs> oh, oh, I left for the, I wasn't there. We left that oh. week because it, um, I lived with a bunch of, you know, people who grew up there. And they were like, oh, it's just a bunch of Americans and Australians. Let's get out of here. So we went to Valencia for <laughs> that time. I wish I had gone, though, in retrospect, so I could say that I went. But I lived in, in Pamplona, which is super funny. Oh, that's okay. great. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, let's get started. So I have lots of questions. Okay. I don't know if you heard the beginning of the program, but 
so I have two secret passions. I want to be a stand-up comedian and I want to, I want to run for something. <laughs> and okay. I always have since okay. I was little. So um, I think we live in an exciting time. I remember when uh, the Janine Ferraro, Ferraro was uh, running for vice president uh-huh. when I, in the eighties, I'm, I'm probably much older than you are, but that was the first time that there was a woman uh, that stood out to me that was in politics that um, I don't know that that really got my attention outside of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg because I remember when she was going through all that with uh, Clinton trying to become, uh, uh-huh. uh, you know, getting on that bench. And but there was really no women that were my heroes. I didn't I didn't have anybody to look up to. So I think this is a really exciting time to be a, a young person uh, with all of these women setting examples. What what made you um, want to get into politics? And is this your first foray? Well, uh, yeah, this is my first time to run for public office. Um, my grandmother was running for district county clerk in a rural town in Missouri. And um, there's photos of me with, like, uh, Vote Lichty, which is my maiden name, um, T-shirt. And I'm, like, two and maybe in a diaper or something. I'm not really sure. <laughs> or something like that. Um, and so apparently I was on the campaign trail from a very young age. Um so I, like you said, you know, having very few, when you see a, a woman running um, in your youth, you know, you, you sort of you catch on to that and it sort of sticks in your mind. And, and seeing my grandma doing that, even though she was a mom of four children and helping oh, wow. her husband run a dairy farm, um, it, you know, it had a big impact in my life. The other side of my family were missionaries in Mexico and so they dedicated their whole life to service and making the world a better place. And, and, and so I think I couple those two images in my mind and experiences with, um, you know, those lifelong role models of why I wanted to give back to my community. And I was a government major, did political science type things in high school and college and um, even started a law and policy organization in law school and worked for the Committee on Homeland Security in D.C. So I, I've been doing this type of work, but I was realized when I was in D.C. that I needed to get real-world experience to be able to learn how to help people the most. And so I came to Houston, uh, started my law firm, been practicing now for 12 years this year, and running a law firm for 10 years, and uh, raising my family. So so I figured now that I have this experience and now that I, I see the need, uh, that's why I decided to, to jump in now. That's so awesome. I'm, I'm just, I have the chills. I'm so excited about this. I, <laughs> I was talking to him, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about next is like talking to, like, what do your kids think about this? I told my daughter I was going to be interviewing <laughs> you and she's like, that's what you want to do. You could do this. I'm like, yeah, I want to wait like, Give me a couple more years. I just got out of the divorce. <laughs> one one big huge thing at a time. But um, yeah. how do you talk to your kids about politics, or um, you know, what would you suggest for other people to talk to their children about what it is that you do, well, or what you want to do? I think it depends on their age, what they can handle. But I've been yeah. trying to involve them from the beginning. When um, right before I started running, so I filed in May of 2019, and I actually my primary. Is, is March 3rd, 2020. Um, so when I talked to, when I started, I went to um, events with them, like um, 
democratic organization events or Indivisible, and I just brought my kids with, you know, so they were sort of soaking it up, like, what is this? You know, I'd bring a phone in, in case, you know, because the attention span. But, you know, and then I would explain, like, I'm trying to help people. I'm learning. I'm networking. I'm building relationships. You know, trying to make them understand parts of it. I would take them to the Women's March with me. Um, yes. And I bought my my wagon because it got too big for a double bob stroller. So I had to, <laughs> I bought what I called my, my protest wagon from Costco. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I'd expose them to that. And, um, and then like recently I, I was endorsed by Jolt Action and there was a candidate forum about a week ago. And my son was really intrigued to, to see other candidates as well. Cause they had congressional senatorial candidates and presidential um, candidates having surrogates. And, and so he came with me and he got to see like behind the scenes of a candidate, me talking with my staff, preparing for my speech um, and, and sort of having talking points. And I, I, he later like told me a little bit about what he saw and, you know, it just, I don't know. I'm, I know that even if maybe they don't understand everything, they're they're picking it up just like I did when I watched my grandma run. So yeah, um, like it's, it's, I know they. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. I know that they're and me being absent is a in the every day all the normal times that they would see me is is a trying for my husband and my kids. But I try to make up for it by bringing them with me or just having some time that's just family only, um, and just you know making that as quality as possible. And and that's basically my what I've been doing to keep the balance. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't even I didn't want to ask you like because it's such a ridiculous question because they never ask male politicians like how do you balance yeah. life and family like they never ask that and I didn't want to ask that. <laughs> they didn't want to I do know. that, but I mean I like all all parents yeah. I think it shouldn't be gender related, but I think all parents kind of struggle with that. Um, yeah, that balance is really hard. I travel a lot for work. And it mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm a, I would tell, I would say to people like I'm a stay at home mom because I work from home mostly, but you know, 30 to 40% mm-hmm. of my time I travel. And so if you ask my kids, they'll say, yeah, mom's gone all the time, which is so unfair. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cause yeah. I'm like, but I don't have a real job that takes me away. <laughs> uh, but like, no matter <laughs> what I think that you could be gone one day a week and they'll be like, Oh, you're gone too much. So I, I like the, <laughs> I like how you're doing it, but yeah, take them with you. I think that's beautiful. So they get a feel for what it is that you do. I, I'm pretty sure my kids couldn't, I don't think any of them could tell you what I do for a living, but they know that I talk <laughs> about babies. Uh, I think, uh-huh. I think I heard one of my kids say, mom, mom talks a lot on, on a microphone and she, uh, and she helps babies be born. That's, what they, <laughs> that's all she knows about what I do. <laughs> but yeah, um, you were saying really that, adorable. <laughs> you were saying that your well, you know, the primaries just, on the third. How would people find out more about what you're doing, or like, would, how do so we help you? Our web, oh yeah. Um, so my website's Ruby for Texas, uh, R-U-B-Y-F-O-R Texas dot com, and um, the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter are all the same handles. Ruby for Texas. So people can follow us. Um, like and like us, follow us, tweet at us, whatever they want to do. Um, and if anyone uh, feels so moved to donate, we need donations in this last stretch, uh, like last week, um, to reach people in the primary. 
uh, it's, it's com slash donate. And there's a donate button on our website. And um, we're really just block walking, phone banking at the polls. Uh, I I calculated, I, I walked about 28,000 steps just the last two days this Holy weekend. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I covered more territory than I never knew. Um I'm 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 memorizing streets now in my district. I you know well, that's now awesome. I I might sound a little crazy. I'll be like, "Where do you live?" <laughs> so, like what I want to say to people cuz then I can figure out if they're in the district and what region and I can you know what I know about that area. Um well, it's pretty big. Crazy. Yeah, it is <laughs> crazy. <laughs> It can take like thirty, a good thirty, thirty-five minutes, no traffic to get from, well, maybe a teeny bit traffic because there's always traffic, but like from the top to the bottom of the district, uh, it's well, one hundred eighty-seven thousand people. Oh wow! Uh, so, yeah, that's district one thirty-four, right? One thirty-four, yeah. So it encompasses everything right around the Galleria, of uh, all of Memorial Park, um, River Oaks, Bel Air, Westview. And Ireland, and all of Rice University, half of the medical center, and the zoo. So a lot of uh, wow. big fixtures here in Houston. Well, I was reading about um, schools and what you wanted to do, and um, I, because I, I live here in Texas too. I've got four uh-huh. kids in school. <laughs> I have some opinions wow. about schools in Texas. So tell me, tell uh-huh. me what what that means for you about improving schools. Well. You know, uh, I organized, I was the legislative action chair for my local little elementary school for the last two years before uh, putting my hat in the ring for this race. And I organized parents to go to Austin um, to to advocate for ed- education last, in the last legislative session. What I realized when I was walking those halls, there were not a lot of representatives and senators that had school-aged children in yeah. office. And I I was wondering why it was taking so long to get some type of uh, reform, I mean, to ed- I mean, to work on education as a priority. And when I looked at it, I mean, just like what I saw in just simple terms is 2017, the session was talking about uh, bathroom bills and uh, SB4, the anti-immigration bill, which I testified against. And my, my incumbent co-sponsored that, the hateful immigration bill. And then the Republicans lost 12 seats and so in 2019, they were miraculously talking about education. And I was like, you know, this is what we should have been talking about ages ago, because this is our children, the workforce, our economy, democracy, everything. Everything stems from education. Um, so I'm really grateful that HB3 was passed. There's a lot of improvements there, uh, but it's really just a good a start. And it really doesn't even, it puts us almost where we should have been about nine or so years ago. So we, we need more funding. We need more of emphasis on the improvement of education, uh, improving the the lives of teachers and administrators. And uh, we just got to work hard at making that a priority and getting ourselves out of the bottom third in the country in, in education rankings. Well, yeah, for sure. But the thing that you that just caught my eye or what caught my ear is the idea of um, – being able to make a difference. I don't have to run for legislature or anything. All, I could just show up here in Austin and lobby, right? Like I don't have to like throw my whole life into politics. I could just help in doing that, right? You know, or am, I, am I thinking you could? Well? And 
No, you're right. You're right. And I mean, you, you live, you're, you're in Austin, right? You're, yeah. you're there. So I, I'm a walk to the Capitol. So that's, well, so that's, that's really less, you know, that's a little bit easier than a lot of people around the, the state who, when I was organizing parents, I mean, they take the day off their kids, daycare, school, pick up. Cause we, we left like uh, before school started and we came back after school started. We went for just one day for a lobbying day with the Texas PTA. Um, but you're right. I mean, we can call, email, text, I mean, not text, we can fax. Uh, we can visit um, their offices. Um, you know, they're, you're right. We can do change. We can make that change however we want. I, the thing is, I've been doing this advocacy for immigration in D.C. and Austin for about six years, and then I went to um, the state ledge two times the last two sessions. And what I realized is, like, I just sort of had this feeling, like, I, I mean, who else has this experience and who can have these skill sets and can just try to take it to the next level? And I, and, and that's why I decided to to run. But you're right. If if we don't have the bandwidth to do that, um, then then we can do that. We can affect that change in lots of different ways and help organize uh, for for that reform. Well, yeah, that's it's like how, like how do we support the things that I mean? I'm all about everything that you're doing. So I was like, how do I help? The site? Yeah, I want to. I'm going to donate what I can and um, want to encourage people to come out and vote for you. But like, how do parents? We sometimes we just feel so stymied and we like we can't do anything or what what can we do? And just the idea you know, of like all the work that you did, I we can maybe duplicate that or copy that in some way to try to make a difference. Yeah, I think the other thing. So, so when I was in that role, I realized a lot. A lot of parents don't. A lot of people in general don't know who their state rep is or their state senator. Yeah, they don't really understand the impact they have. So part of my job was mostly just like. Go to who represents me, put your address and figure it out and then follow them, pay attention to who, what they do. Um, and so that was sort of like step one. Um, then when um, the session had started, it was like, okay, well, these are some of the issues. But what I realized was they had up until about mid-March, early March to, to um, submit all the bills. So imagine you when I went in there to Austin in late February with the Texas PTA, they didn't have the HB3 proposed. So when I was going to those offices, I was like, well, I care about education. They're like, well, you know, the best way to talk to us is bill numbers. Well, the bill hadn't been proposed yet. <laughs> but they said, there's going to be a bill. There's going to be one. And they're like, well, we this is what we'd like it to say, we would say to them. But um, so then when the bill was proposed, I think it was like March 8th, because that was the deadline, somewhere around there, I would I went back for immigration for another issue. And I would go when I was there for immigration, I would also talk about education and about the bill. And then I was educating the parents via email to our local PTA about what was going on with HB3. And then um, I visited again because it was going in committee and there was a lot of debates about what to add. And so what I realized through that experience, you know, watching the sausage be made, that really that <laughs> from the deadline of the bill being submitted to the end of the session, unless it's extended, a lot of it goes down between that. So that would be like from early March to end of May every other year. So you really have to be paying attention. And, yeah. you know, that's like what spring break to graduation, <laughs> you know, when the yeah. rest of his parents are like super swamped. Yeah. <laughs> So it, it was hard to, to drown out, you know, get through the cut through the noise to, to get everyone engaged. But um, 
I, you know, I was working on that. And I, I think parents want the best for their kids. And a lot of people want to stay in, in public school uh, and and not have to move out. Because um, I'm, I'm representing a inside the loop community where a lot of people want to ideally stay inside the loop, not have to move out to the suburbs for better schools or and or don't want to go that you know maybe can't afford private school so um that's generally what i think people think is if you have to move out to the suburbs uh but you know i'm trying to keep education good inside the loop as well and um and around the whole state <laughs> yeah and that's so hard too i mean i have a i have a child with a special needs she has down syndrome and i found when we uh-huh. first moved here to texas this is like i don't know 10 about 10 years ago, uh, the the schools were, it was really difficult to find a school that would support her or, or understand. Like I had mm. to educate, like <laughs> one of the very first schools she went into, I had to kind of teach them how to be with a child with special needs. Like that was outrageous. And um, just wow. watching things change uh, over the last, you know, 10, she was, she's 14 now. And she's in a great school, mm-hmm. and, and the AISD school district is uh, really stepping up and getting super, like, just way better. Um, but I, I want to see a difference. And I, it stinks because, like, we really thought for a while, like, do I have to, like, get two more jobs just so I could put her in private school so she can have a good education? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, so it's a big deal to me. And I, I want parents to know that they can, that they, they have a say, that they don't have to feel alone. I mean, the whole purpose of my program, it started out by saying, you know, you're not alone. <laughs> that isolation can make you feel really sad and um, it can be depressing to think that you, you can't make a difference as a parent. So I love what you're doing. You're such an inspiration. (laughs) I I really hope that people get out there. Um, Just one more time. Can you give us your information on how we can find you? uh, Yeah. Maybe you want to go get a pen real quick, old school style. Yeah. It's rubyfortexas.com. That's our website. And we're Ruby for Texas on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Ruby for Texas. So I'm Ruby, Ruby Powers running for state rep district 134 inside the Houston area and um, on the in, on the west of the inside the loop. Everything from Timber Grove, Lazy Brook, West, uh, West Gray, River, Rice Military, River Oaks, Bel Air, Maryland, and uh, all of Rice University and half of the medical center and the zoo. So um, I've got a primary, it's a contested primary for March 3rd. We're in the early voting, which is happening until February uh, 28th. And, you know, we could use help with remote phone banking. We you can help with walk walking, poll greeters. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a great, I volunteered on other campaigns, even Obama back in 2008 and, what you learn about the process and you volunteer if you ever want to run or you want to help some be the behind the scenes help the help for a candidate it yeah. really has a great experience um you learn sort of how it all works and you you have a greater appreciation for the democratic process and um you, we we could use help in any all those ways we're really just down to the wire with about seven or eight more days left until the primary and um, it's it's great. I mean, I've never talked to so many people, I think, <laughs> um, <laughs> other than all my, you know, consultations and clients. Um, and just going up to people and talking to them about what their concerns are, it's been a very rewarding experience. And, 
you know, I, I didn't really mention it, but, you know, I'm, I'm running for, for gun safety. Uh, we have so much work to do in our state, and we need to do it now. We need to do it yesterday. Um, I'm education. I have public, two kids in public school. I'm going to make the most for their, their future in, in all of Texas. My parents moved here in the 80s for education to give us opportunity, and, you know, we need to keep being uh, at the top in, in the country, but we're not there right now. And also healthcare, uh, we have the, un- the highest number of uninsured people in the country, and we need to expand Medicaid and give more opportunities for Texans. And um, you know, climate and flood mitigation and immigration are also concerns of mine. Uh, so, as a child of an immigrant, married to an immigrant, I, I you know, I, I bring a wealth of experience and uh, perspective to this seat. And I think I represent a lot of Texas, having grown up in a humble upbringing, having lived in multi, moved around the state, uh, most of the major cities I've lived in, also having lived in multiple countries and speaking Spanish and running a business for a decade. So I'm, I want to bring all that expertise and compassion to the seat. That's fantastic. Well, You've got my vote, lady, if I lived in Houston. All right. But if you are listening in Houston. Um, but you definitely will have a donation from me today. I'm really excited to, to meet you and to know you, and I hope to talk to you again because I want to talk to you about living in Spain and, and other yes. stuff. I'm really excited. You're so awesome. Thank you for being such an inspiration and just, like, you know, for being a mom. Being a mom is so freaking hard. Uh, being a parent is so it hard is, enough it at is. the beginning of every show. So um, yes. the best way to do it is not in isolation and to do it together. So thank you for being an example of a community in, uh, in the world and in Houston and in Texas. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I want to be available as a resource uh, to anybody who's interested in running um, or running a law firm or running a business or writing a book or whatever. Um, well, after so you win, we're going to have you back on so you can talk to us some more about okay. how to get more involved right. in, uh, in politics. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you get All back right. to getting those steps in, lady. And you have a great day. Okay. <laughs> all right. You too. Thanks Thank so you. much. And thanks to all of our listeners today. I have to tell you guys, it's really good to be back. I'm super excited about it. And I'm really excited about uh, letting you guys know about today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is the beautiful, wonderful Tecla Ayers, a good friend of mine and the program for many, many years. Uh, I want you to visit her uh, Instagram page and I want you to visit her um Website. Her website is Tekla, that's T-E-K-L-A-C-A-Y-E-R-S.com. And uh, I was just at her Instagram page. Where did it go? Gina Kirby, what are you doing? All right. Oh, and that's a new thing, guys. If you ever catch me on the air saying bad things about myself, you call in at 515-605-9702 and tell me to cut it out and be nice to myself. That's a new thing that I'm doing. Um, but Tecla uh, has been a really good friend for a long time, and she is one of our sponsors of today's show. Um, if you look up on Instagram, hashtag Gina Kirby starts over, uh, you'll see what I mean. This is uh, my new beginning. I haven't been on the air for two years, and for her to come in and uh, sponsor me as a way to lift up somebody else is huge. Her Instagram tag is T-E-K-L-A-C-A-Y-E-R-S. I'll give her a shout out later on my story today so you can follow her at Circling Together. And uh, uh, that's the Instagram, Circling Together, all one word. 
And you can find her online. Like I said, she's an intuitive Reiki practitioner and teacher. And uh, she's just uh, an amazing, wonderful woman. And I want to get more people looking at her gorgeous website. She has a lot of events coming up. I just wanted just one of them uh, that I wanted to share with you. Uh, you can find at uh, Eventbrite. And uh, it's if you're into Reiki and you know about Reiki, this is going to turn you on. It's April 2nd. Uh, and... Uh, this is the beginning of her fourth year of the Reiki share. Uh, I think it's number 80, 38. Uh, you're going to want to reserve your spot and uh, go, to, go to that site and pay there. Reiki share is a powerful night of community and healing for all, an opportunity to come together with other people who are certified in Reiki one or beyond. Uh, she's got great stuff happening. This is all in uh, Lafayette, Colorado. So uh, if you're in that area, you're going to want to look it up. Thank you so much, Tekla, for supporting us. And thank you to our listeners who are still listening right now uh, for being here with us. And just know that I'm going to come back every week. If you want to be a sponsor of the program, get in touch with me at progressive parenting radio at gmail.com. And let me know that you want to be an advertiser with us. We are listener supported only so we can come to you uh, every month with your support. So think of NPR, but with a goofier host uh, and maybe a little bit more nerdy. If you can imagine, imagine. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. I want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, please think about supporting Ruby Powers. She's an amazing uh, woman, mother, person. Um, really stoked about meeting her. Uh, go to, um, let's see, let's see, da, 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 da. Uh, ruby at rubyfortexas.com. And then you can also find her. Let's see, I'm trying to find all of the, the ways to to uh, get involved with her if you want to uh, help out, which uh, I encourage you to. She's, she's just doing this like as a, a one-person dynamo. She's awesome. Um, you can find her at, let's see, you want to help her out. You can find her at Twitter at Ruby for Texas. If you want to volunteer, you can just go to rubyfortexas.com forward slash volunteer. That's what I was waiting for was her, that site to pop up. I'm sure everybody's all over it, so it was running slow, but yeah. Ruby for Texas on Twitter and Ruby for Texas on Instagram. So follow this woman, tell her you love her. And uh, that's it. Thanks for joining us, you guys. I'm so excited about today and for being able to do this. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other.